welcome to The Funnel, an experience-driven commerce podcast. I'm Shannon Abel, media marketing specialist at Blue Acorn ICI and host. Each episode, I interview customer experience experts to discuss the latest trends and topics that matter most to brand and retail professionals. Today, we'll be continuing our conversation for last month about digital customer experience in financial services with Yasir Khan, Vice President of Digital Strategy at First Citizens Bank, and Mark Kelly, Chief Growth Officer at Blue Acorn ICI. Enjoy. How are, how are financial institutions using data to enhance the customer experience? What a great question. Um, data. You talk to anyone who has anything to do with web development or digital experiences or work on any digital platform, they will say the same thing. Data is the key right? It's, it's the key to your success. It's the key to understand your customers. It's a key to grow your business. It's basically what connects everything together. Um, if you look at, um, there, there are a couple of things that I would like to talk about um, as part of this um, question, where first is optimization. Optimization is necessary, right? It, if you look at maybe a decade ago, two decades ago, and, and over the time, the evolution that has happened, Data has always been in the picture. We, we just never knew it was being used um, until it became like so prominent on with the online experiences. So if you look at, there was, a, there was a case study and I was reading that this is some time ago and it was um, interesting to me that how these grocers, um, they, they also do analysis using the data and, and relocate items throughout their stores to better to increase the sales of their product first and foremost goal. And then also ease of user, the customer, consumer, avoid them time, time is money, right? So it was really funny. One time I walked into, uh, I believe it was Harris Teeter. In Harris Teeter, walking down the aisle, I, I had very young kids at that time and, and I was not able to find whatever I was looking for. I think it was diapers or something. And I was like, what the heck happened? <laughs> Are they sold out? Or are they not selling those anymore? And started looking around and uh, you know, ultimately ended up asking one of the associates there. And they were like, oh, we put that next to the beer aisle. I was like, what? All right, why? And uh, you know, it, it was a very um, interesting conversation uh, that you know, they, uh, their data showed that most of the time consumers, when they come in, they're looking for any any of those products it happens to be per data nothing coming from me uh, it's mostly dads when they come out late night midnight they're looking for some baby product or something hey we ran out of diapers i was like okay who did that analysis but it was like you know the placement of that aisle next to the beer aisle okay they're going to come out this late they're, they want to have fun they, they're going to maybe you know pick up another case of beer or whatever the case is whatever they're looking for so it's convenient conveniently located right within the proximity of another product that they cross sell same concept applies to online experiences you want to cross sell you want to optimize you want to upsell that's basically the growth of any business, right? It's not any, this is actually e-commerce. This is not just banking. This is not financial institutions. This is everywhere, right? Now, optimization, why is it important? And I just explained that with an example. Why is it important? You have to constantly 
look at data, understand the interaction of your customers to the, the website, to the products that they're looking at, really understand their needs and optimize to cater their needs better. That is optimization. And, and um, for First Citizens Bank, we just went live. Our website is only six weeks old. So it's, it's fairly new. We're already seeing uptakes and, and really uh, good engagement in our customer interaction with our site. And after the launch, the biggest goal on our plate is to really optimize it, right? So we went with best in class design and the information architecture um, and the content and everything, right? So we did our due diligence. We did not save money to uh, limit any of the functionalities. We tried our best to provide the best in-class experience and platform technology to our customers. Now, after it is launched, what is our next step? Really understand them, right? Look at the data. What is data telling us? Optimize it based on that. Does it make sense for us to present this layout or this layout? You know, does it make sense to, to cater this content or that content, right? All these questions are being answered by data. Now, data takes time to accumulate over time. You don't want to just make changes based on, you know, two people's interaction, but you want a sample, bigger sample, right? So, and, and as in the coming months, we will be making those changes. Now, the second thing I wanted to talk about with this data, where it plays a critical role, is personalization. It's not just optimization. You're optimizing it, but personalization. I need to know what is Shannon doing on my website so I can really cater to your needs, right? And, and data can be critical there as well. So based on your previous interaction with my website, I, I would be able to personalize your experience next time you come to my website and really show you what you're looking for. Just save your time to save the effort to, to find something and, and you know, ultimately basically the bottom goal to, to get a conversion out of it, right? So personalization is very, very important. It's important, but the, the key is utilizing data to know your customer. If you don't know your customer, then you will not be successful with it. You may agitate them more than help them, right? But um, bottom line, personalization, knowing your customer is the most important attribute, the way I see it for any business in order for them to serve them better. Those are my thoughts. And one more thing to conclude with is if you utilize these tools and data and, and really understand your users, you are ultimately maturing your digital journey on your site and providing a better experience to your customers than your in-person in interaction over time. Mark, do you want to add anything? I sure do. Thank you, Shannon. The, uh, so yeah, thank you, Shannon. It's a great call out to see on the use of data. I think one thing to just kind of level set here is that every financial organization is at a different level of maturity when it comes to being ready and able to make use of data to deliver a more personalized customer experience. And for those organizations you know, that may hear this podcast that are just getting started, what I have found you know, in working with all sorts of organizations across different verticals is that many struggle to know where to start. And some, you know, they may have this kind of loosely defined definition of the end state about having unified customer profile, combining online and offline data, getting past purchase history, 
um, or current products owned and using that to kind of determine next best action. But the reality is, is that that could take years and lots of money to get the data to a point that you as an organization can act on it and act on it safely, uh, meaning that you know, you're acting on data with certain preset decisions that deliver a good and positive customer experience. They don't detract from the customer experience because like in the example you shared a minute ago, Shannon, that you know, you're know you already a customer and they just keep advertising you the same product that obviously drives all of us mad. So when we think about data and the simplest form of data for a company to be able to start to personalize the experience, you know, one of the things that I've advised many companies to do in the earliest stage is to think about your customer base as a, as a monolithic group, you know, they're all, you know, they're all the same, but then how do we start to bifurcate it? You know, how do we divide that group into two and how do we start to personalize the experience just by taking your customer base and thinking about them in just two different ways. And oftentimes those two different ways is new customer, returning customer. How do we personalize based on a new potential customer or a new customer, a prospect, and how do we personalize based on an existing customer? Or in the case of financial services, it's often uh, could be retail banking, commercial, mortgage applicant. We can start to think of kind of simpler ways to define the customer without having to get sucked into these really deep and nuanced customer personas and journeys, and then get caught up in what is the data and all of the content needed to like start to deliver deliver these really nuanced experiences. So I think thinking of like some of the contextual factors, that's where we start with personalization. The base level is contextual personalization. Those environmental factors that any organization can usually kind of get a hold of, you know, whether it's a new customer or a returning customer, if it's geolocation is a really pretty low bar for personalization. One of the credit unions that we're working with that spans just a couple of states and only has about 20 branches portion of that is inside of a college town and that part of their business really caters to the college um, students and employees and they want to serve up certain content to draw them in but in another part of their small footprint they're a credit union with the history tied to the local industrial manufacturer that was in that area and in that particular town everyone knows who that particular industrial manufacturer is and so they need to see a certain story and content and experience. And that kind of contextual factor is a pretty straightforward one to start to personalize and experience. The technology is accessible to most. And then you can build from there into more journey-based personalization or user-based personalization, which gets more into where First Citizens is heading, where we can start to make more granular decisions and we're making the investment in content. So that's just kind of my, my perspective is that you know, everybody's at a different state of maturity with digital and with data, but there's always a next step to start to improve and deliver a better digital customer experience. Thanks, Mark. I think we would all agree that you can't have digital transformation without first embracing organizational change. So what are some of the ways financial institutions are embracing organizational change? That is a very tough question to answer, um, Shannon, if you think about this, you know, or as an industry, it's very difficult to answer because some financial institutions have already started on 
the, the digital transformation and they're going through this change or some have not at all. So either, but, but the trend has started, right? So, but organizational change in general, overall, we have just witnessed the last 18 months with Blue Acorn ICI, the, the journey that we have gone through to really redesign the, the website and not just redesign the website, basically changing the whole structure and what it, whatever was involved to, to provide better engagement for the customers, better experience for the customers. It was challenging. And I think uh, if you look at high level, change is never easy, right? It's the biggest, um, it comes with, uh, you know, some concerns, fear, what is going to happen? How are we going to do it? So, so much uncertainty, right? So that, that makes it more challenging and bigger the organization, the bigger the challenges. And that is what I have seen, not just at First Citizens Bank, but in my prior um, commitments as well, the challenge becomes your um, existing processes, your way of operating day-to-day, your channels that you're using to serve something, how, what impact, so the key, yeah. So the impact analysis, a lot of organizations who do not do impact analysis upfront, they, they have more uncertainty, they have bigger risk. Um, at First Citizens Bank, we, we did impact analysis to really understand, you know, what, what does this change mean for our internal stakeholders along with our, you know, the, the customers? How do we come up with a plan to communicate this better? How do we take um, extra measures to, to, to ensure stability of our platform throughout the integration and after we go live, right? So there are things that can be done, but overall the, the org, um, organizational change it was difficult, you know, some other factors that came into picture or things that we had to consider was the complex integration between, you know, some of the existing systems. How do we really make sure that they will work? They will not break because the underlying technology is changing. Now we're moving to cloud um, instead of staying on on premise, right? So a lot of those things, the looking at within the impact analysis, what are the dependencies on the legacy systems that we use? You know, what does the data integration look like for, from that? So a lot of things, you know, it's not just the technology that is evolving when, when you make a change, but you have culture that could be impacted, the, the processes, and the, the most important, the mindset of, you know, how you have been working and what does it mean after you make the change, right? So the, those are all, those were part of actually our thought process when we went through this journey uh, for the modernization of our website. But I think there's more. We, we have been very successful. I, I, I don't want to you know, take that away from us. And, and thanks to our um, wonderful partner, Blue Acorn ICI, this was possible. You need right players in the game for you to be successful. But I, 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 you know, I want to emphasize that impact analysis is the most important thing that needs to be done for you to be successful. Some of the banks that I worked in the past, this was overlooked and it had consequences, right? And and the outcome is uh, premature or sometimes it's not as expected. So there are a lot of precautions that needs to be taken, but overall as, a, as an industry, uh, financial or other industries, I think this is something as we talked in the beginning of the COVID has opened 
the eyes of a lot of um, businesses and really put them in this alert mode. What are we going to do if one more thing will happen in the future? God forbid, I'm not talking <laughs> about COVID coming back or staying longer, but anything, we just need to be prepared. How do we make sure that we have the level of support that we need during these times to support our customers better? Mark, your thoughts? Thank you, Yasir. You know, I think that uh, it's, a, it's an interesting point you just ended on there with the COVID and how it has an impact on, I think, organizational willingness to change because adaptation was really forced. And I think everybody had to deal with really dramatic change from top to bottom in just about every organization out there. And um, that, uh, that experience, you know, hopefully embeds a certain amount of flexibility and willingness to change and a certain amount of adaptability, like just in all organizations. Prior to the pandemic, one of the things that we saw, which would be the um, really one of the true indicators of a successful digital transformation initiative is executive sponsorship. You know, so critical to have an executive in the organization that is willing to make the investment, to take the risk of digital transformation and to continue to champion it through the highs and the lows because digital transformation project, you know, lasting months or years is going to take that type of perseverance and steadfast commitment from the executive team. So that's really critical. And in financial services, where we see that a lot of the executives, uh, at least in my experience, have been kind of operationally minded. They're oftentimes older folks who've come up through branches, you know, focused on sales, not necessarily digital first. So it's really critical that there is some ex executive that gets it, that says, you know, digital experience we need to invest in. And the pandemic has certainly opened up some eyes to that reality, even amongst those who maybe were resistant up until now. Like I mentioned, there's a number of initiatives that banks have been pro procrastinating on. And now it seems that many are not. They recognize that they need to not only try to catch up, but, you know, if they don't catch up, it could have serious consequences on you know the viability of the of the organization. So I think organizational change is is critical, and it 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 needs executive sponsorship to be successful. And another kind of key factor that we've seen to increasing the success of a digital transformation initiative is enrolling key stakeholders and those impacted by digital transformation early and often in the process especially if you want to transform and keep current staff. You know, it's one thing to transform and just say you're going to turn it over. But what we've seen in, in uh, financial services, particularly regional banks, credit unions, is that they have really high regard for their people. And uh, they want to transform and retool and retrain their workforce to work with new tools, new technology, new processes, and it is really hard to do that without involving them, as we say, early and often. So getting them exposed to new tools that are coming in, you know, giving them a chance to see demos of its new technology coming in, giving them a chance to voice concerns about the current process, the changing process, and really getting them the education and kind of, I guess, training needed to recognize that there is a new way of working. So for example, at, at First Citizens, press releases, 
that had to go out based on some sort of regulation. They had to go out in an exact time in order to send out those press releases in the past before this large digital transformation initiative that we've undertaken. Someone had to be sitting at the computer, like ready to push the button at 7 p.m. on a Friday night because that press release had to go live then. And, you know, that's labor intensive. It's a distraction. It's something that can be easily automated with a new tool set. It's a little example, but thinking about how to work differently with with tools that can enable automated scheduling of content and content approvals and things like that. Like if we think about content management, if we think about digital asset management, if we think about CRM, PIM, you know, there's just, there's so many systems and processes that can be improved through digital transformation. And uh, that's where getting the stakeholders and the staff involved, we see greater levels of enthusiasm for buy-in when new tools and technology are deployed because they've been involved. So, you know, organizational change is, is necessary, you know, as is the willingness to adopt new tools and processes and adapt and to persevere through uncertainty. So, you know, and I'll just say for citizens, you all did a fantastic job of that. And I knew it was going to be successful in one of our early meetings when there was a representative, you know, of uh, the change management team there. And that was just like a signal to me, not knowing anything else that, okay, these folks are serious about transformation. This is not just about deploying new technology and capabilities. It's about training. It's about reorganizing the team and improving the, you know, the operational efficiencies of marketing and IT as it relates to digital customer experience. Mark, um, very well relayed and said um, about the the leadership team being on board and and their willingness to um, be supportive of you know the digital transformation is I, I think it's as critical for the success of digital transformation for any organization. That's what I was trying to relate to when I said the the shift in mindset is very important, right? That's one of the, it could be an impact or it could be proactively seen that as a, as a positive change for the organization, but that mindset has to change to adapt to newer technologies and, and willingness is very important, right? It has to come from, come from the executive team, from the actual leadership team of any organization who's willing to take the risk and really want to make a difference for their own organization, their employees and their customers, right? So it, it cannot be said uh, better than what, what you just elaborated. So thank you. Yeah, and if uh, any of the First Citizens executive team listened to this, let's just go ahead and say thank you. They've been fantastic. Their support has been critical to the success of this initiative. I think Mark is talking about me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> 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 awesome. Uh, would you, either of you like to add anything before we wrap up? I just um, thank you very much, Shannon, for organizing this and giving us the opportunity to talk. I, I think this is very important to be communicated to our peers across um, the, the technology industry. It's not just for our bank, but definitely, you know, as, as a, a greater community, we are growing together. This was a great forum to talk about the importance of the digital transformation, just because not as the owner or, or the employee of First Citizens Bank, I am also a customer. So I, I think about users and, and really customer-centric experiences. So uh, I think this is important for 
every organization to start thinking about if they have not already done so, because sooner or later, regardless of COVID or no COVID, this is our future. This is a necessary step that has to be taken now or tomorrow. Thank you, Shannon. Yeah, well said. You know, and uh, as a partner of First Citizens and also a customer of First Citizens and the business online banking, it's really been interesting to be a part of the First Citizens Digital Transformation Initiative from both sides of the equation, both the inside and the the outside perspective. And I think that you know we spent a fair amount of time talking about you know, the impacts of coronavirus pandemic on financial services, and we're, we're all still kind of like it's unfolding in front of us, and we're commenting on basically real-time events. I would think an interesting follow-up discussion to this might be that we, um, once the pandemic is is over and everybody's gone back to whatever normal is, it would be interesting to see how much sticks, like how much of the customer sentiment remains intact, you know, based on the shift in this period, does the organizational mindset change? You know, I am of the view the longer the pandemic sticks around, the more permanent the consumer behavior shift will be, but there will be some amount of reversion, uh, and it'll be interesting to kind of see how that impacts you all at First Citizens Bank and what observations we have, let's call it in a year, once uh, the dust settles from this pandemic. Great. Well, thank you, Yasir and Mark, for joining us today. This was a great conversation. For those of you listening, you can find any of our episodes anywhere to listen to podcasts, so Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. And we all, Blue Acorn, I say, also recently published a financial institutions ebook that you can find at blueacornici.com slash blog. Until next time.